Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, uh, our Southridge member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Uh, really excited to have a conversation today with uh, one of our shelter staff members, a guy by the name of Mackenzie Hamilton. Uh, Mackenzie, say hi to everyone. Hi everybody. And uh, start off just by telling us a little bit about yourself for those of us uh, listening across our locations who don't know you. Give us a bit of your family background, where you come from, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I would have grown up in the Niagara region in Thorold in the first 20 years of my life. And um, I mean, life took some twists and turns and we were living in Pickering for a year, living in Burlington for a year, and ultimately ended up moving back to St. Catharines. Um, and it feels like we came home. But the we in that is uh, my wife, a very patient wife named Kelsey, uh, and our eight-month-old daughter, Nora. And that's been absolutely amazing. Yeah, recent been, years the family dynamic yeah, has changed. Yeah, um, can you talk about how you ended up as part of Southridge? Sure, uh, Southridge would have started for me years ago. I there's a, a shift in my faith, or kind of a realization where uh, public school growing up uh, made the choice to go to Eden High School. Um, for those who don't know, faith based public school, but still has a um, Christian influence there. School with a difference. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and the that meant that I had uh, Christian friends and friends that went to a church such as Southridge. Uh, and that meant that they were spending their Friday nights um, going to senior youth with their crazy youth pastor, Chris Fowler. Yeah. Um, so that would have been grade nine for me, and oh, it was probably 2014, so that was... Uh, Sorry, 2009 is when that would have been. That was a little while ago. Um, that was my first interaction with Southridge. And from there, a um, friend invited me to, you know, attend a little more and volunteer with junior youth. And I was leading junior youth here for a little while. Um, and I just took off from there after that. I tried to get out and uh, <laughs> we we wouldn't, me back We in. wouldn't yeah. let that happen. Yeah. Um, these days, like I said earlier, uh, you're working at Southridge, uh, specifically in our homeless shelter, in our St. Catharines location. Can yeah. you describe how that happened and what yeah. your role involves there? So I currently uh, have a role in the shelter, um, get to interact with all of our, our residents every day, 55 at the moment. Um, and it's been a, a ton of lessons and, and joyful experiences and um, tears and just hurtful experiences and but ultimately, it's it's life, and the shelter's been amazing. Um, I get to wake up every day and care for others, um, and that that's like, incredible to me. Um, just get to try and be open and honest to everybody, um, and every interaction I have with a person is, what do you need, or how can I help? Um, which... I, I feel honored to be in that position, that I get to even have the resources and opportunity to approach conversations in that way. Um, and it, there's hard moments, for sure, but ultimately it's with the purpose of just showing joy to other people and caring for the people around us. And and same goes for me. I, I receive a lot of joy and care from the people I'm interacting with every day as well living on the front lines sure. of a ministry of that kind of stakes and intensity. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's rewarding, but it's also super demanding, isn't it? Um, anything you want to tell 
uh, our members who are from all of our locations about what it's like to work at Southridge or work in the shelter that they might not know that would be kind of cool for them to know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Has anyone mentioned the donuts yet? Everyone listened to you can mention podcasts. the donuts. That's a good, uh, that's a good <laughs> There's factoid. There's a uh, birthday ritual that whoever's birthday it is, they bring donuts to enable others to celebrate themselves your own birthday and um turns out everybody has a birthday so it means quite a few donuts going through the church yeah um i'm actually supplying them this week so okay (laughs) i'll be supplying them this week and and uh, a lot of them because our st Catharines location is right next to tim horton so a lot of them are tim hortons uh some of us go for the real gusto and yeah. uh, bring in the long johns that's, that's like the gold uh, standard it communicates kind of, uh, just how much you wish to be celebrated yeah, I think, exactly the, yeah. how, how important you think you are <laughs> hey uh, we're going to get into what i believe is going to be a profoundly helpful conversation today and uh, Mackenzie, i'm really grateful for you uh being willing to to participate in it uh today january 20th is what is known in our society these days as blue monday and uh, Blue Monday is a, a, a recognition and an appreciation of uh, what people uh, kind of wrestle with from the perspective of mental health. Uh, I heard a few years ago Blue Monday described as the statistically uh, kind of most intense day for people who suffer with depression in the whole year. And interestingly enough, the reason I first heard about that was because uh, in that particular year, uh, Blue Monday was on the 24th of January, not the 20th of January. However, that, I guess the 24th was a Monday. Anyways, the 24th of January is my birthday. And so someone said, hey, did you know that you were born on the statistically most depressing day of the year? Is that a coincidence? Yeah. And so it was kind of a, I first found out about it as kind of a joke. Sure. Uh, the truth, though, is it's not a joke. And uh, it actually uh, illuminates what has, I would say, generally been quite an unaddressed aspect of our church that you were uh, willing and, and certainly courageous enough to, to talk about with me. Uh, because over the past few years, uh, you've learned some things about yourself, particularly when it comes to mental health. So walk us into that journey of discovering this uh, in your own life. Yeah. Uh, first experience with, I guess, depression at the time uh, would have been high school you know, era where... We never would have thought of questioned it. And then probably grade 10, 11, started feeling different and avoiding things and situations and people. Um, was crying a lot, spending time alone, avoiding life, um, interactions with others, and uh, led to depression. And I mean, we can talk a bit about what depression is. A lot of people are familiar with it yeah. or, or have know someone. Um, but just to, to start things off, um, you know, this wasn't something that you felt like you experienced all your life. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you just started, like you said, you started feeling different. Yes. Um, yeah. It is, I would even make the distinction, it's not actually so much of an emotional thing. Right. It's, it's, it's not, not a mood. It's not sad. It's, oh, I can't get happy. It's, it's not a mood. Yeah. Um, it's it's, a it's mood not a disorder, personality. But... It's not a introvert extrovert it's not a circumstance it's not a just yeah and i still don't know exactly the language to describe what it the experience is like um but it is distinct Mm -hmm. and 
I wouldn't have known it right away when I experienced it. Now, entering into that a little bit. So in this high school era, you start feeling these things quite overwhelming and, and certainly very different than you've ever felt before. How did you ultimately um, kind of discover or or receive the clarity or even the diagnosis that that, in fact, was depression? And I'm kind of asking a two-part question because uh, for everyone listening, how would someone discover or actually learn that they wrestle or suffer from depression? Yeah. Uh, I guess I'd be fortunate, like many in my generation, to never have... Uh, lived without the internet, even if it was dial-up and AOL and whatever else <laughs> when I first got going. But um, at the time, it, it, you know, I, oh, something's not right, doesn't feel right. Well, I'll Google it, um, and you know, you read symptoms and whatever else, and uh, that's what comes to mind. I, I identified with a lot of the symptoms I was mm-hmm. reading. Um, the difficult thing was communicating that to the people around me, my doctor. Um, I had a lot of help from my father at the time. He was advocating for me with my doctor. Um, had a doctor. Was it difficult with your doctor? It was. Okay. Um, and, I mean, I don't know exactly how we would have phrased it to him, but I started out fearful of talking about it and saying, hey, well, I, I, I'm feeling very stressed, you know, to my doctor. And yeah, the response was, you're 17 and... You know, you're, you're playing sports. Yeah. What, like, what do you have to be you're, stressed you're about? You're fine. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. fine. You know, um, maybe take a break. <laughs> hmm. um, but and part of that's just the comfort of, ta- of speaking about it. Um, yeah, it, this it's was also like a few years learn. ago. So I Absolutely, mean, even culturally, right? there's been a, a degree of awareness and destigmatization. Yeah, so I can which imagine is encouraging, right? It's encouraging to know that you can talk about. Well, I, I'm kind of feeling down all the time, and I'm not interested in. The sports team that I was playing on for years. Now I don't want to go to practice anymore because I'm feeling anxious or whatever else. And it's a top of the list for what people are considering yeah, how to yeah. how to look after each other, right? So. And uh, again, just for our understanding and, and awareness to be able to really enter into this, um, you, you described the the difference between being depressed or or suffering from actually clinical depression versus just feeling down. Uh, what are some of those differences? Um, so it, it's when you're, like I would say, when, when your mood starts to affect your lifestyle um, and your behavior, you can feel sad and feel, you know, feel down. And when your mood starts to affect your lifestyle and behavior, so it's not the mood itself. Yeah, it's think- when the mood becomes so crippling or so influential. In the choices you make in your everyday life, sure. I, I like sure. You might feel sad, um, but I don't know how to make that stop anymore. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying things to feel better, and they're not working. Yeah. And, you know, maybe people around me are saying, "Well, just I don't know, shake it off, right, <laughs> or whatever else." And um, it it there it feels like it's out of my control, and that's kind of one of the scarier hopeless parts of it mm. hopeless side of it is you you feel like there's nothing you can do um right it comes with two layers it comes with the layer itself but then the underlying layer of the powerlessness to get out of it yeah. and the hopelessness that uh, you know i can't actually 
do it. It doesn't feel like there's anything in my control that I can do that will change this. Yeah. So yeah, and there are things that help, um, but none of them cure it, mm. uh, and none of them, not none of them, but some of them might not help right away. Yeah. And so that's the lifestyle stuff, right? You you try and go for a run, eat properly, and and that it's going to help. Yeah. Um, down uh, the road. For for someone listening, who might be wondering about this for themselves or for a loved one. Um, what would you say are some of the warning signs or maybe the early indicators for someone to consider getting clinically evaluated for depression? Yeah, for me, it was, um, I mean, even, so even myself now, there, there's stuff when I can feel I'm kind of slipping into um, that headspace again. That zone. Yeah. Um, and that would be avoiding communication with others. Um, you know, I'll... I'll avoid replying to texts. I'll just be quiet. I'll, I'll um, you know, might not be as open talking to family, people around me, my wife, mm. not sharing what's in my head, what's going on. Um, yeah, just withdrawing from the world. And it's that's the nature of it, is it makes you feel like no one will understand how you feel and that, well, there's nothing that's helping me anyway, so they won't know what to do. And, and then you're isolated and alone. And the thing that's going to help the most, which is probably connecting to others, um, being social, is is no longer easily available. Hmm. Um, it's kind of how it entraps us, I hmm. guess. Part of where I want to segue then is, you know, when it comes to community, when it comes to relationships, uh, one of the things I've noticed in some situations is that the struggle with depression actually is harder sometimes for people of faith and for people in a faith community. Um, so in your case, when you first discovered that you were struggling with depression, uh, how did you understand the, the difference that Jesus could or wanted to make? Or like, How did you understand this from a faith perspective? Yeah. Initially... Um, it was not good. And initially, the interpretation would have been, well, it's supposed to be, there's joy somewhere in there they keep talking about, and, you know, people having fun, and there's this renewed spirit, and, and well, I'm not feeling that. And that's, Was that something taught to you at the time? Was that something that friends shared with you in a response? Or was that just something that you innately assumed about how faith was supposed to work. Assumed and, and even experienced prior to that. Um, that. That is an experience of, um, you know, having faith, and, and but that's only a piece of it. Um, the, the joy, celebration, worship, um, that's only one part of the whole spectrum of our faith um, and our relationship with Christ. Uh, yeah, we'll worship, we'll celebrate um but then we'll cry and we'll be angry and and even with god and that's all part of our relationship with christ and he is there regardless of yeah. the emotion attached and involved and whether we feel helpless or not i mean there's countless bible stories where you're looking back and people are feeling hopeless or like there's nothing left you know no options left and that's where God's meeting them. And that's almost to show that, uh, and I mean, who's to say it intentional or not, but to show that I am the only 
thing that is going to soothe you in sustain this, you. sustain you, yeah, yeah. be strength in this area. You're, you're now you're saying a whole lot of things there. So sure. I just want to slow down and unpack some of these um, because I, I feel like sometimes our our theological grid, like how we understand faith, can complicate or even hinder our experience of navigating depression effectively from a faith perspective. And so you're talking about a theology, for starters, that just assumes that the good news is all good news, right? Yep. That that the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life, the fruit of the Spirit, includes joy. And if if the message and work of Jesus is good news that produces joy, well... <laughs> You know, to to be in that state of a, a chronic depression is sort of counter to what it means to experience God and to follow Jesus. You've since I'm sensing uh, you've since expanded your understanding of the comprehensiveness of how God relates to people and and works. Um, and so what, what, what did you have to, I guess, learn to broaden your theological understanding beyond just the simplicity of a life of faith is good news that's defined by joy? Right. Uh, I, I mean, start with the Bible, I guess. You, you look into, and there's many stories, but um, Job is, there's very little good in that you know, as far as Job's yeah. concerned, yeah. Um, it's a story of, you know, persistent faith. And even when his wife, someone closest to him, was telling him to just give up, um, he's still pursuing God and knows that, like, this is, he's there with him um, and pleads and pleads and pleads, but he's here with him. Um, King David, you know, throughout the Psalms and everywhere yeah, else. I was going to say, like, so many of the Psalms that, are not happy what we would typically no. sing on a Sunday morning no. songs. The guy's, you know, feeling like he's being persecuted. Yeah. And he's hiding so in many caves. about like God destroy my enemy. Yeah. Which is a crazy thing to yeah. you know, pray yeah. and um but this hopelessness, yeah. It's feeling the biblical like, book of lamentations. Me. Hey. Right? There There's go. a book in the Bible of lament. Even even I've I've in recent years I've seen people encourage the spiritual practice of lament, right? Not yeah. even for people struggling with depression, but just for, for for everybody to actually tap into that aspect of how it mean how it looks to relate to God that way, right? To relate to God right. like Job, to relate to right. God like David is in some of those psalms, and uh, you know, I, I feel like even what we celebrated a month or so ago at Christmas, you know, the 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 image of God in His love. Entering into our brokenness in a born in a manger, you know, you know born in the messiness yep. of our life. Like, yep. that's a far more rounded picture of the way God wants to engage in our lives and in the, yeah. the, the brokenness and struggle and even hopelessness than just, it's good news right. <laughs> of and great it, joy. Like it's, and it's, a, it. it's important to highlight the, the yeah, the great joy, like empowered in my life that renewed person and but i think in a way we're doing a disservice by not giving the whole picture um yeah not showing others as even those that you know we're sharing our faith with maybe it's to invite into mm -hmm. their faith uh that god's there in every part of it not just and and this is what i'd love you to comment on because you know for a lot of us 
if we're not uh, suffering or, or wrestling with depression ourselves or have a loved one who's close to us that we're trying to support, we may be completely ignorant in how to respond to maybe a classmate or a coworker or that we that we interact with. And, you know, from a faith-based perspective, we could take an incomplete and ultimately fundamentally unhelpful approach in relating to them. So, you know, what, what would you feel most Christians need to learn about approaching people with mental health challenges from a biblical perspective? What, what kind of stuff is fundamentally unhelpful and unproductive, even harmful to say and to do versus, you know, what is, what is helpful and productive and supportive? Yeah. Um, the, the unhelpful side is that, well, look on the bright side, like, well, but God's, you know, all powerful, you know, God, and sure, this is all true. Um, but if you're doing anything but meeting me where I'm at, um, you're not going to pull me out of it. That's a great sentence. And I hope people can just press pause and, and absorb that. If you're not meeting me where I'm at, it's one thing to talk about the finish line or one thing to talk about, you know, where God wants to lead us and who, you know, who he wants to be on a different day. If you're not meeting me where I'm at right now, you're not helpful. Yeah. So any pep um, talks, any suck yeah. it ups, any, yeah, but yeah. other because people suffer more than you. Yeah, I already tried the pep talk getting out of bed this morning. And I already, <laughs> you know, thought, well, what do I, the woe is me. Well, what do I have to lose? Like, there's people worse off than I am. and But yeah. I still feel this way. And that's the frustrating right, part. Right, right. Um, that you've, uh, it's important too, Mackenzie, for people to empathize. You, you've already had those pep talks yourself. Yeah. You don't need those. I don't want to feel this way. That's yeah. ultimately is, I, I don't want to be like this either. Um, and I know I'm capable of being, you know, I, I don't even, I, I don't even want to say it that way, but I, that's a profound sentence too, Mackenzie, that, that, that when a person is wrestling with depression, it, it's important for, for all of us to appreciate no one wants to be crippled and paralyzed in that way. I think sometimes people might assume that, oh, someone whether it's almost an enjoys the attention or finds identity or almost like I think about in the Winnie the Pooh uh, characters, sure. right? Yeah, There's yeah. Eeyore, right? Oh, so, God. you know, does, does, does in every group there's an Eeyore. Cause no one who's actually clinically at the level where they're paralyzed by this is desiring to be there. And yeah. it's helpful for, for all of us to know in order to be able to enter in where they're at and to really to enter in from that holistic gospel perspective that allows entering into the brokenness. That's the nature of God that allows lament, that allows just, you know, yeah. sitting and being in, in, in that space. So um, that's part of what I want to talk about today is, is actually how to navigate this from a faith-based perspective, because this is obvious, but I, I, I know that you want to address this uh, faith or a prayer doesn't just, change this overnight. You actually live with this and you navigate this all the time. Absolutely. And uh, so as you've learned how to navigate, knowing that even real time, you 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 know, you have better days and worse days and some successes and some not, uh, what would you say has helped you the most? Um, I mean, more than anything else, 
uh, relationships with other people have been the biggest help. Um, I can, I can train and exercise and eat uh, like an Olympian and still not feel good. Yeah. Um, can have everything going okay in life and still not feel good. Uh, and it's at some point you give up on chasing feeling good. Um, cause if that's what I'm waking up to do every day, I, I I'm setting myself up to fail. Hmm. I, there, I'm not to say, I mean, there are absolute times where you, you feel good, um, and joy and, you know, I get to wake up to my daughter laughing and it's, it's incredible and it's a great way to start the day. But, um, and if I'm, if, if I'm one of those people that wants to be that friend and wants to be that community to you, knowing that relationships help so significantly, but I'm getting the sense that where you're at, uh, wants to remove or wants to peel back from relationship. What's the loving and effective way of relating to you in that place? How do I relate to you if you don't want to relate to me, even though you know, or ultimately if, if relating to, to, to other people is the most helpful thing for you? Uh, be present. Um, and in this, you know, this posture of, I'm not going to try to make you better. I'm just going to be here and accept you and let you know that I'm here to help. Um, just be there. And there's a way to talk to and support and let someone express how they're feeling without trying to make them feel better. And sure, ultimately, we want our loved ones, our friends and family to feel good and feel better. Um, but it but might, it's a be with it's, yes. posture, not a problem solve posture. Correct. Right. That's just it's a, a be yeah. with posture, and I hope we can we can hear that and and uh, enter in, in in that spirit. Um, a few just sort of awareness pieces. Um, is depression something that you navigate all the time or occasionally? How does it actually work? It's, I mean, for me, I have a couple different experiences. Partly, there's this piece that's always kind of there and worried that, well, if I make the wrong decision, it might step back in. And But then there are episodes or bouts of depression, I can look back, where it was severe and a, a completely different feeling and had full hold on my mind and my body. And it, it, it's a, um, and it starts to twist how I view the world around me. Um, and makes me think that while I, I'm not capable of more or deserve better, or actually makes me think that, well, I, who am I to other people? What's the point? And, waking up and going to work like what do they need me for and um it there are times where it's more severe um but are those predictable are like are there specific seasons i know again today is blue monday so you get some sense yeah. that blue monday is a generally worse day of the year for people than maybe yeah. first of july <laughs> um you know are are there are there general seasons where the challenge is stronger it's, well, for some people, it could be. Um, for, so for some people, depression is a seasonal thing, right? Seasonal yeah, affective yeah, disorder, yeah. Is, is that's the thing. Um, and sometimes that can be remedied through diet or exercise or, or you know. Um, but, and I wish it, it, I wish it was, but for me, it's 
there doesn't seem to be a reason why it comes not up. seasonal and not circumstantial not, season, not circumstantial yeah. I, yeah there's been times when everything seems to be going great you know couldn't ask for more and okay now you're experiencing depression and pulling the covers over my head yeah. and just crying and yeah. um yeah and i do my best like i was saying before there's there's everything helps and nothing really cures it yeah yeah um yeah, I was going to say, what else would you say to educate the rest of us on the dynamics of suffering from depression? That's probably the best answer is for people to understand, for all of us listening to be aware that yeah, everything helps and nothing ultimately cures it. Um, do you want to talk about, uh, as you navigate this, the, the difference that faith can make? Talked about the, the difference yeah. that faith can't make. Um, you want to talk about the difference that faith can make? Absolutely. Um, so just like we were saying about how there's that relationship with Christ where he's, he's there in the good times and the bad depression has put me into some really dark places, um, places where I thought I was just going to call it like, ah, life's just not worth it anymore. Um, you feel helpless and hopeless. And I can say that God was there. There was this you know, this this kind of voice or just sense um, of Jesus saying, like, no, you're wrong. This is, and then actually the kind of, for me, my experience, that nudge was your life isn't meant for you. Um, and ultimately was a bit of a realization that if I'm, pursuing just trying to feel okay and feeling happy i'm not going to feel fulfilled Hmm. um yeah i might wake up and feel depressed and and wish i felt happier but if would you want to feel happy um and never be fulfilled Hmm. is that and those are are two separate things right happiness is a feeling um so this idea of your life isn't meant for you is i ultimately am going to um feel whole by being of service to others and by helping others Mm. um and by giving of myself to others and that means being open and vulnerable and honest yeah which is i mean it's so full circle cool to watch the role that god has you in in your ministry you know the bible says we're all different parts of a body and each part plate that you know does its own special work and you know the role that you play in relation to the role that i play i i I just could fundamentally never play the role that you play with the effectiveness that you play it because of the wiring and the way that God works uniquely in you and the way that you can be present for people, uh, you know, in their struggle and pain and, and empathize and enter in. It's, it's really remarkable to, to see the impact of that as an observer and to realize, as you're saying, in, in the whole bigger picture, there is a difference between happiness and fulfillment in that sense. Um, I guess the last question that I'd, I'd be into, if if you can imagine someone listening who is wrestling with depression right now, maybe they're just discovering it, maybe they've known it for years and it's chronic and it's it's it, it's something that they, they carry all the time. Um, without a pep talk, because you give those pep talks to yourself, uh, what's your encouragement to them? Um, let someone else in on it. Just 
Yeah. Even if that's your last in your last urge yeah. and instinct. Absolutely. Um, part of why it's so difficult to carry is because you're trying to do it alone. Um, I probably the only reason it's so, yeah. so tough, um, is guaranteed that, you know, we, we all have people that love us, whether, even if it's not friends or family, um, there's someone that you interact with every other day that, um, enjoys you being part of their life. Um, and you might not wake up every day so that you can feel happy, um, but you can wake up to be a part of other people's lives. Um, and ultimately, I'm, you know, for me personally, I'm proud to be uh, who I am to others, um, even if I'm not always proud to be who I am to myself. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a great final word. And I hope, gang, as you've been listening today, uh, entering into Mackenzie's journey, you get the sense of just how vital and how valuable a body part he is around here. And I feel like one of the greatest gifts that, that we've been able to experience together as even a, a staff family is to be able to remind each other that we're not alone. And that in our realities and in our challenges and the things that we uniquely carry, we're in this together. And uh, we're in this together not just for ourselves and not even just for our own happiness or fulfillment. We're in this together for a lost and broken and hurting world that we get to be salt and light to, whether we're feeling it or not. So, uh, Mackenzie, thanks so much, uh, for your courage and just your vulnerability in sharing this journey with us. Uh, if you're interested, uh, here's, if you're interested in following up and learning more, uh, you can contact me or you can find Mackenzie's information on our website as well. Uh, and we can direct you to, to some people to connect to, but, uh, just appreciate, <coughs> excuse me, just appreciate everyone uh, being willing to journey with us in this way as we continue finding our way together. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.